Yeah, you already know, keep it locked right here. All Elements Radio with DJ Ronan on Delicious Vinyl Radio and Dash Radio. Radio. What up, what up, DJ J. Ronan? All Elements of Delicious Vinyl Radio, powered by Black League Entertainment. I'm the Dash Radio app. And we got the Low Life General in the motherfucking building. Part of my friends. Let me not curse so much so YouTube ads and Google ads takes it down. I curse like a motherfucker, yo. Oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to cut back so we can get that. that, that, that uh, I mean, if the natural me, I curse. When <laughs> All right, well, whatever. We ain't getting no YouTube ads. Anyway, we got the low life general, the low life founder, MC extraordinaire, fashion icon, street icon in the building with us virtually. Yeah. Give it up one time, ladies and gentlemen, for Thurston Howe, y'all. Two L's up, two L's, two L's. You forgot to say the rice and being extreme, nigga. The Polo Rican in the building. I got my, my fake gold chain swinging. Yeah. <laughs> What's poppin'? Yo, and you know, for those that have been tuning into the show, every week I'm playing a song from you. Only certain people is family like that. Where they getting a spin every week. I'm a picky bastard. I don't like a lot of rapper shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My damn cat making noise in the corner. So yeah, I, I can't hear him at all over here, man. He's scratching up the chair. No, he's all good. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Your little ass. I don't really hit cats. I love my cats. But yo, you know. You, I invite, I invited you to my wedding. I know you couldn't have made it out, but you know, you know, you, 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 fam. You know, my, my shout out to my uncle Barlow. You know, he yeah. had us working since what seventeen years now. It's been it's just yeah. old four. We got a lot of work. Then we got some legendary shows we did yeah. in New York, in Miami. Yeah. Some legendary mixtape stuff. You know even when you came down to Miami, I always gave you a slot, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm Jay Rona. I ain't paying for no slot, you know. I ain't one of them. I never make nobody pay. Remember, all my events be everything You so show a lot like, of love to... to... Yo, it'd be a thousand dudes wanting to get on. And it's only, I only let a handful get on. If, right. if I know you're playing, then you represent for the people, the team, and... Right. Yeah, you getting on immediately. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you got to discern who's really putting in in this hip hop culture, and who's really about low lives and and the, and the low culture too. Because because they everybody don't do both. Some people no. do the low life shit hard, but they're not hip hop. They don't even know living it. You know, they know the fashion aspect, right. but. Or they listen to hip hop on the radio. That's or not they only in the dance hall, or they only into whatever else yeah. they into. Right, you got some of those, which is all good, you know, to each his own. But right. I lived culture. I've lived the hip hop culture way before I became a low life. Right. So when I became a low life. I brought all of that hip hop with me into the low life, and I influenced massive people in low life with the music. You know what I mean? And not me as an artist. Just me as somebody living hip hop culture, right. you know what I mean. When you I came that my- to you as a kid, um, what year was that? In the eighties, rapping. That was eighty six, man. But wow, crazy thing about that footage is I only did it that day. 
Mm. I never, I never followed up with that after that. Mm. You know I mean? That was all my man, the DJ at the time, DJ Shah Rock. He right, used right. to go to that. He used to go to that studio downtown. I think I met Shah Rock before. He's yeah, that's a little like barbecue. Yeah, he's Disco's cousin. Right, right. So, okay. He's from the Garvey, so you know right. we all grew up together and all that. So, right, right. Rock used to go to Funky Slice Studios downtown Brooklyn to practice mm -hmm. and rehearse. So he was like, "Yo, y'all should come with me and you know just play around with the mic." So right. Hat was the serious freestyler, you know, amongst amongst us. Okay, like Has Has Uno? That was Has in the video. That's Has. That's Has. He don't, he don't look the same. He big like me now. <laughs> yeah, but yo, because you know Has was also um a, a rap group with Sean Price before Helter Skelter came about. I did hear that, right? You know what I mean? So, so you know, Has was always a big influence with the rap stuff, and we all would freestyle. I could freestyle off the top of my dome since since I could remember, man. So mm. that day, all we did was freestyle, and then when we you know, they had a video camera in there and say, you know, if you pay $5, we record your whole session. So we just played around with it. But when I left that day, I never rapped again. Wow. You know, until 10 years later or some shit. That's crazy. 10 years later. Yeah, 86, 96. And yo, I'm going to tell you what's crazy, right? I got, I still got that tape. And it's an hour and a half long. Freestyle. When I watch that tape nowadays, put it I'm, on on, on on YouTube, man. I put I put clips here and there. I don't spread the whole thing, but yo, I, I always had it. Even back then, I had it back then. When I watch that tape now, cause yo, that whole thing was off the top of the dome. I you, always had it. One thing I gotta give you, you're definitely a collector. Whether it, whether it's low Ralph Lauren products or hip hop, you know, you got the cassettes, you got. I'm sure you got a nice vinyl collection too. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? my collection is here. And how much low? But besides the clothes, you have the home, home, the home stuff, home goods, yeah. accessories. I'm, I'm more into the home stuff than the clothes. Mm. You know, I I go all out to find the home stuff and the accessories and all that. The clothes right, is right. whatever to be. Everybody wearing the same shit. No matter what event you go to, is four or five people with the same shit, or <laughs> ten people who had it on the event before. Yeah, that's so, why I'm, I try to wear stuff that hasn't come out in five, ten years. Because everybody's wearing the stuff that came out in the last season or two. You know? Yeah. Nah, it's real. I mean, these these last three, four seasons shut it down. The retro shit just shut everything down. You know right. what I mean? You know what I'm wearing? Well, I got to lose a little weight to fit into some of that stuff, but the rugby line. I like some of that rugby stuff, and a lot of people, a lot of low heads wasn't getting it. Yeah. And, and now, you know, they got, they got some nice nice stuff, you know? Now that it's gone, they want it. Right. Well, but I, but I, I got getting it when it, when, when it was out. I got mad rugby pieces when you're ready. They don't fit me no more. Don't tell nobody, 2X. Save it for me. Don't give it to Barlow. Everything I got I'm getting rid of is 2X and 3X. Cause you know, I'm, 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 I wear XL. I'm damn near large by now. You know, wow. I've been you still, got them, you still got the. Nah, I'm still 230 pounds, nigga. Don't get it twisted. I'm just getting more definition. 
You know what I mean? You don't find your your arms can still fit in in, in an XL. It's not tight. Nah, it fit. Okay. My shit's still, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it fit, man, because a lot of this stuff stretches out. I don't be wearing, you know, if it's too tight, I can't be doing that too tight shit, man. Right, right. You don't want to have your nipples poking through, uh, uh, you know, lactating out here. No, that's for you, nigga. That's for you. <laughs> I'm trying to lose that's weight. My bad. I want to crack too many jokes in the interview. <laughs> that's for your live shows. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate you, you, you know, you coming through, man. Um, as I was saying, though, you you a real collector of, of, of the culture. Um, I remember the Thieves Team video that you shot for my Freestyle Files Volume 2. You're in the bathtub, covered in the tapes. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. If you haven't seen that, y'all go check that out. It's up, yeah. up on YouTube right now. You see, I try to do what nobody's doing, man. Especially right. film stuff and all, you know, like. It just, some stuff just makes sense to me and it's convenient for me. I got all these fucking tapes I have for years. They just sitting there. You know, I'll look at them and be like, what can I do with this shit right now? You know, I and love the Kung Fu joint. And yo, niggas offer me thousands for that collection. Mm. And I'm like, I haven't given a lot of stuff up because I know at some point later on in life, I might be teaching at a university or something. I could use all of that. Right. You know, just, just for my lessons and things like that. Right. Definitely. But, you know, when it's time to get rid of it, if are certain things you want to get rid of, Sotheby's, auctions. Make more money yeah. doing that than eBay or anybody else. Yeah. Say it again, Sotheby's? Sotheby's. Oh, yeah. You got to send me those links. Yeah. They, um, certain old school Nikes that my pops have from like 78, 79, 80 going for two, three, four grand now. Like yeah, awesome. Nike Daybreaks, Nike LDVs, the originals. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, but yeah, forget all that. Let's talk about the hip hop, man. You know, it's more yeah. about hip hop than the show. So you grew up freestyling, you grew up in the culture, growing up in Brownsville. When did you first decide I'm gonna become an MC? Like this, this is my, where I want to go in life. You know, you you were, you know, around for the beginning of Low Lives, Low Life founder. For I my was opinion, the beginning of hip hop, period. Mm. So, um, but by 90, the end of 95, 96, I remember, you know, niggas used to come to my crib. You know, my crib in the Garvey was where everybody came to. Right. You know what I mean? So, Niggas would come in there freestyling and shit. I'd be like, y'all niggas got to get the fuck out, man, because <laughs> we got girls coming over. We don't need all that right now. Right. Um, but one night I told niggas, yo, if I want to rhyme, nigga, I'll be nice. And we had a freestyle session. Yo, I couldn't stop rhyming that day. I couldn't believe how much my words were connecting, nonstop connecting words all off the dome. That one day turned into every day. Mm. And I just became obsessed because, you know, more than anything in the world, I loved hip-hop music, man, before that time. So, you know, me subconsciously not knowing it, I'm studying it and absorbing every artist that ever came out that was skilled. So when it was time for me to play with it, it was natural, man. It was just natural. And after that, it became an obsession. 
That's how the name Thurston came because I was obsessed with rhyming and battling. And, and you know, so by 96, I was full-fledged, man, going all out to rhyme. Right, right. For those that don't know, Thurston Howe is a character from Gilligan's Island. And you had the Gilligan's Island album. Yeah, the thing. But if you see, if you see um in my career, you know, I'm not a biter, right? I'm not a gimmicky nigga either. So <laughs> right. I never used anything from Gilligan's Island besides that title. I never did nothing of Thurston Howe on none of my projects. I never did nothing of Gilligan's Island. The most I ever did was that title, right. Gilligan's Island. But ju just to prove my point that I wasn't being a gimmick, I came, you know, I spelt my name Thurston totally different than the way right. he, you know? But um, at this point in my career, I've, I've stuck to that so much that I could come out doing any gimmick of Thurston Howell now. Right. It's, now it's acceptable because I showed you I didn't need it. Now I could play with it all I want. And okay, I, yeah. shall. I shall. It's not a game. I, I got to give you credit. Your videos are some of the most creative videos in hip hop. Um, I love that video with Philo. It was uh, uh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Stuck on stupid. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I directed that. to the, you know, the, the, the Philo versus Low on, on, on the tennis court. It's like a tennis battle. Yeah. I mean, I, you know me. I did the entire treatment with the ideas for the video. I directed it along with uh, jokes from Miami. Mm. You know, I had hired jokes and his team from Miami to come to New York and, and do that whole movie with me, The Big wow. Cousins Payback. So it was all part right, of it. Right. That was hilarious too. Yo, but I wrote the entire thing myself alone. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm talking about the entire movie. So that means every video inside of it and, and every, um, every skit, every acting skit, all of that. You know, I, I did the entire production, man. Like, just right. putting it together. And then Jokes and them came down and laced it up with me. Shout out Sucre Reyes, who did all the graphics and all that on those videos, man. Graphics really crazy. It. He did the spaceship of us flying the spaceship right, and all right. that. That was great. Our body. And you know, me being into martial arts, I love the Kung Fu joint you got with, with, with the uh, Master Fool. Yeah, thank you, man. Yo, there's more. There's more that, that I, I, more. I, I need to be in one of these. I, I want to be doing some jujitsu, throwing somebody around. Now, nah, you know what we could do? You could be the Buddha statue. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but there's more, man. Like I'm when I went, like we got another piece that's supposed to come, but I'm I'm gonna keep shooting more of it because we still got all the weapons and wardrobe, and so many people want to be a part of the next one. So once I compile yeah. everybody, I'm going to write another script. I already got a crazy storyline, but I'm coming back with the legend of the low palm, man. It's not I want to um, I want to flip Barlow, do, do a shoulder throw on him, and he, and he slips his disc. Ah, I flipped the disc. Hope for y'all flip a disc, yo. <laughs> nah, nah, I know how to fall. I do, I do that every day. Oh, all right. That's fucked up that you got to say that, but it's okay. No, no, in jujitsu and judo, you you, you, have, you have to fall. I'm making a joke out oh, of it. All right, all right. I'm saying, you know, you got to know that. That's the basics. Yeah, but me, me and my brother, Box Slow, did that one. You yeah, know what I mean? Out the box. Like, my favorite Cuban uh, Republican. 
<laughs> yeah, that's serious. Mm-hmm. But um, so I wrote, like I said, I wrote the entire script. I put the whole idea together. Right. And, you know, I just bring it to the table with the team and, and we put our heads together and we execute, man. That was a lot of fun, that video, man. Anytime I do anything with Fool, I'm smiling all day long. Fool gets on my fucking nerves half of the time and all that. But, yeah, yeah. yo, he's just, you know, he's he's a wonderful soul to work with, man. You know? So we had a lot of fun, man, doing that. I can't wait to revisit it, man, and come back with, you know, the next, the sequel yeah. to it. You definitely do your thing with film. I always appreciate... Every year you do the, um, you know the, the you know the, your event in Miami. What was what's the official name again? The Art Basel event, the Love and Loyalty weekend. Love and Loyalty, the Art At Basel event. Club. And uh, you know you had the film festival, and you know you you had the film about your grandparents. That was, that was a beautiful film. You know any, anybody that watches that, they just think about their grandparents and their family. You know it's a heartwarming film. Yeah. You know. Yo, and that's one of my first ones that I did entirely myself, man. Mm. Like I, you know, I wrote the story out. Um, my cousin helped me. She basically wrote the story out. And, you mm-hmm. know, I edited the story and then she did the voiceover for it. And then, you know, I edited the entire thing, going through the photos. And, you know, because when, when my grandparents passed away, my grandmother was last to go in. Yo, when, you know, we had to clean up her place and all of that. Right. Grandma's house. Good time. I found thousands upon thousands of photos, Mm. uh, memorabilia, home movies. I think I could tell their story a couple of more times with how much content I got that I found from her. You know? The way you document it, your kids, your grandkids future generations yep. can see that. That's why I did it, man. I did it because even working on the story, there was so much I learned that I didn't know. Just doing that story, man. And it helped me understand my family a lot more. And I felt good that I was able to honor my grandparents at the end of the day. I did something for them. You know, after all the stuff they did for me my entire life, mm-hmm. I gave back something in some form, you know, just to make sure they they live forever, man. And through that, they're going to live forever. And whoever don't know about them, right? It's, now it's easy to go learn. Definitely a beautiful thing, man. And we appreciate the you know love and loyalty weekend. You always make it dope. Hip-hop artists, a salsa band, a film festival. You know, I, I think I went three years in a row now. Nah, man, eight years. You talking about? I, I said I went to three years. Oh, you went to three, yeah. Right, yeah, it was right. it's deep. I mean, I, I hope it opens back up, man, because we plan to we plan to shut it down once again. Right. Well, hopefully, you know, you know, I, I you know, I took my I, I took my vaccine, you know. I know, you know, some people feel, you know, strongly for or against, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, hopefully things will open back up as people are vaccinated and. Yo, it's opening up in Miami, man. I went out the other night and it was full capacity everywhere. Lines around the corner. And, you know, I'm just walking around seeing all this, but Mm -hmm. I'm like... That's kind of dangerous. The Republicans out here don't give a fuck. They want that money flowing, so... Right. You know, I'm just being observant of it all. Right, I mean... 
you know, it, it's still out here, you know, certain Republican states definitely are being a little, little too reckless, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just had a big festival in India. You see India's going through it right now. Big time on the news. The festival, right? Half a million people got COVID out there right now. Wow. That's... Or it's half a billion in a certain amount of time. Either which way, the, the number is crazy. I was just, I was watching the CNN. You know, crazy. And then all all the legends we keep losing, man. You know, we just lost oh, Black man. Rock, Humpty, Shock G, rest in peace. Yeah, um, Max, no, Prince Marky D. D. You know, I, I, crossed path, I crossed paths with everybody throughout life, man, and right. it's crazy. The sea, I played the you song know? with Black Rob two, uh, uh, two weeks ago. The yeah, but you oh, oh, I met Black Rob in jail, man, when we were 16 years old. Mm. You know, did time together. Wow. And, you know, we came like my brother, too. Like like a lot of dudes I met on that bit, man. Like, mm. And, yo, he was rapping then. And he was nice. Mm. You know and uh, you know we lost contact for a long time but then when he came out to Miami we was reunited right, and that's right. how that song came about and all of that yeah, you know because you know, I'm not a rapper man no, nobody remembers me as being a rapper I was never a rapper when I was making my name Big Vic Low famous so mm-hmm. when you know they couldn't so what even, were you doing hmm. I was doing a whole bunch of other shit man <laughs> I know <laughs> But it's like, you know, when I became a rapper, I became dead serious, man. Marky D's son used to live on my block in the Garvey. Mm. And seeing, you know, I seen his son grow up and I I always right, remember right. Marky D came to get his son constantly on a regular basis and all that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just just all that, man. And and you know, as far as Humpty, man, I was I was a fan of Humpty. Thurston Howell's mm-hmm. style was kind of Humpty. I got a lot from Humpty, you know, and making the voices. I, I even did a song recently with the Bad Seed, and I was like, switch my voice and sound like Humpty. Uh, House uh, in the Jungle with the, the brand new Humpty. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I- I, I, I get to meet him once. I saw him perform um, early 2000s. And there was like, it was like a Tupac commemoration event. Yeah. And he was there. But you know, I look at all all our hip hop icons and all that. They no different than any prophet in the Bible, in our time and generation. So I admire them, you know, and always, you know, I always pay my respects whether I knew them or not. I big them right, up right. whether I knew them personally or not because they touched our lives, man. You yeah. know, they. So I, I see yeah, a lot. I, I keep it real with you. When when Jam Master J passed. I never met Run DMC at that point in my life, but when when Jamison J passed, I cried. Like wow. I grew up on Run DMC. Yeah, you know, I'm the biggest. Me, Run DMC, the Fat Boys, was up there with me with Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, Spider Man, Superman, Rakim, Kane. These are my heroes as a kid. To you me, know? I'm the biggest Run DMC fan you might ever meet ever. Mm. If ever seen my house in in the in the 80s everything was run dmc mm. every single poster you know to me um you saw them live perform of course i you saw know, them at Wingate park that was amazing in flatbush so I, I um 
the Run DMC is the greatest group of all time. I only say Wu Tang mm. is only second to them because mm. you, they came first. Because you know the Wu had a bigger influence far as New York and you know in my style and my era and generation, you know, in Brooklyn shit. The Run DMC but, changed the game. People was yeah, dressing no, I, like I, I say they first dressing like they was in um you know Funkadelic. Run DMC brought street wear the artists so, so, you know the thing is like I said they the greatest of all time I only say Wu-Tang is second only to them mm. you know what I mean? so that's yeah. that's just real man nah yeah I definitely love him shout out to DMC got to meet him a few times yeah and and, and yo this man records I don't you ever heard Rockbox you know Rockbox yeah of course you ever heard the extended version with more rhymes on it I'm not sure so you're not a real run DMC. Right. Today, was man. that on the, um, the single? It's on the single. Okay, so that now I definitely heard it. Yo, the the extended version, the lyrics was crazy, yeah. yo. I even like the later run DMC back when they was chilling with Onyx and they got the ball heads. Yeah, I was fucking with that. I, I, I always song. bought everything they did, man. Right, right. That that was down with the King era. Mm-hmm. Down with the king. Yeah. Down with the king for years, about 10 of them. <laughs> Tell me, break down a little bit about how the low life movement started and, and where it's gone and how it's transformed today. The movement or the initial gang shit that the started? The initial gang street-ish and how it became a movement no. within hip hop. Well, and, you know, and, and also, what do you say to people who say, "Oh, you're not a low life. You're not you, if you're not boosting," because certain people try to tell me that to this I, day. I'm gonna answer that one first. Okay, it, it was not compiled to boosting. Right Only, you know what I mean? I, I'm gonna tell you, like, there was there was a bunch of dudes in low life who didn't boost. There was a bunch of dudes who didn't wear polo. Mm -hmm. Real shit, it was like 80% of the boosters was ass and getting robbed and all that. And that's when a lot of the other niggas was stepping up, putting in work, showing these niggas, stop getting robbed, stop running when you got beef and all that. Because mm -hmm. niggas were running and all that kind of stuff was happening. And this is in the beginning. But it's also because right. a lot of dudes were very young. They were, you know, fresh out the house and things like that, you know, jumping into this lifestyle. And then there was some more dudes that were already experienced on the streets. Right. You know what I mean? Um, you like, you know, I could say probably Ralphie's kids was born from boosting. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they, oh, their whole upbringing and, and the initial way of them getting together was based around boosting besides being friends. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, on our side, there was a lot of boosters, but it was a lot of dudes doing stick-ups. Right. Like, fuck, they on some fuck boosting shit. Like, what you mm -hmm. going through all that for, nigga? I'll wait no, for you. No, to no, uh, Ralph, pardon me. Ralphie's kids is from Crown Heights. Just for yep. people that don't know that much about the low culture. Right. So, so I mean, when we came together, it wasn't just because everybody was boosting. There was a lot of dudes together because they knew each other from the street, from right. all levels, even from jail. Even though we was real young, mm -hmm. some of us already did bids and all that. So we knew dudes from everywhere. Like, you know, like I'm a brother ball low. Yep. So like mm -hmm. when I come out and, and we go places, 
you know, you got your boosters, you got your thorough niggas, you got dudes that's just yapping jewelry in the clubs, you got the right. Low Lights was composed of all kind of things. There was a bunch of drug dealers. There was a lot of drug dealers in Low Life. There was a lot of pimps. There was a lot of dudes who ain't getting no chicks either. The flyest dudes in the world didn't even know how to talk to a girl, man. So it wasn't based around one thing. You right. know, and when we came together and became Low Lifes by the end of 88, you know, 89, we was full-fledged Low Life. It was a combination of everything. You see, um, uh, you know, our model was money, hoes, and clothes. The model mm-hmm. wasn't we boosting. It was money, hoes, and clothes. So it was the combination of everything. However you, you get that um, money. There was a lot of people that even when you going on a rush, they don't boost, but they'll jump in a rush and, and snatch everything and run out. They ain't got time right. to be, trying to, you know, dodge uh, security and all that. Niggas was with the rushes and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I always classified the low life or who was a low life not based on how much they lived this shit from the street aspect first, because when we started, you, it was that you couldn't be just a regular dude coming in. Cause we low lights was the first ones to taste your blood and eat you alive. So mm-hmm. if you couldn't withstand that, you wasn't coming back no more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now as the years went by and things changed, cause there was a point where low lights was dying out. You know, I see the reemerge how it happened. And I see mad people come back who would disappear forever. Like, right. A lot of people stopped claiming it. Uh, there was a lot of low lifes that was super hard body that when low lifes was dying down, they went blood and crit because they they wow. like being in control of teams and you know dudes and and, and and being the leaders of stuff. So a lot of low lifes went blood and crit. So that gave low lifes gave birth to a lot of the blood and crit movement. You know what I mean? In Brooklyn, as far as the Brooklyn right. things. So it's, it's just because it was in them. That's what they wanted to do, you know, because low life was dying out. You know, by by the earlier mid 90s, a lot of dudes was doing time and all that. And, and a lot of the founders, leaders. So that's when a lot of new dudes started coming in, not knowing who's who. By 92, it was the peak of low life. Like that's when it was all over New York. Is at its peak. Everybody's down this or that but like you know uh, i'm i'm doing time i never even got to see a piece of 92 or 93 and things like that so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm locked up i already laid my bricks down and my foundation for other people to walk on them to carry the name forward you know i I saw that shoot they had a couple months back and um somebody was live streaming and so many brothers that was there from that shoot did 15 years, 20 years, 25 yeah. years, 22 years, a whole yeah. bunch of people, you know, who's a lot of people of did time. Like, you know, somebody like myself, man, like during my last bit, cause I, I, I maybe did three felony convictions. Not maybe I did three felony convictions right. with the first time. That last one really woke me up. So, that's when the big transitions in my life started happening because my mind started to open up. You know what I mean? I started seeing things differently or I started understanding this dumb shit I was doing. And because I've kept facing so many consequences, 
right. you know, I got another shot to be free and, and, and to come do it again. So I'm like, I'm not going back out there to do that dumb shit no more or whatever. I, I found another path of doing, but I never stopped being a low life. I never yeah. stopped representing hard, even during the bids. Like it was some of us that really rep this low life shit to the fullest degree. That's why people respect low lifes because the low lifes they met in jail that repped it, you know, cause certain low lifes that did in the street, a lot of the boosts and shit, like I said, Niggas was getting robbed all the time, everywhere. You know what I mean? From both sides. It was happening. You know what I mean? Until a lot of them dudes was putting in that work saying, you ain't going to rob nobody over here. Like, I stood up and defended everybody on my side. I defended people on my side to, to the extremes. You know what I mean? So if you was fucking with one of my peoples, I was doing what I got to do to make sure you not fucking with nobody over right. here. But dude, if you my friend and you not about that life, but you my friend, I'm, I'm about that life for you. I've always been that way. So after doing my last bid and coming out and all that, you know, that's when I decided to go the entertainment route and started rapping and everything. But mm -hmm. I was already walking a straight line. You know what I mean? I was on work release for like two and a half years, man. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be on there for six months. When, when it was my time to see the parole board, they hit me with two more years. So I'm like, Man, if I walk a straight line, I could finish this time free right. as a free man on work release, but I'm doing time. And I did exactly that. I started working on MTV, with uh, MTV doing yeah. that. No, nah, but even before I was working at MTV, I was working for the Jim Brown program, mm. the uh, the Amera I Can Foundation for Social <clears throat> Change. And I became a facilitator. And that, that program continued to help me open my mind. And that's why by the time I got into MTV, my, my path was straight and direct, man. I'm still in the street fighting. I'm still going to the club, putting in work, but I'm not doing no crime. I'm not harming people. You know, I'm not doing anything negative, but I'm still a Brownsville dude having to live a Brownsville life. Right. You know what I mean? You still got to so stand what, up for yours and hold your stuff down. At every time, not just mine, right. I'm standing up from everybody still. I was still enforcing, I stand up for everybody that's part mm -hmm. of us. You know what I mean? So once we started doing the entertainment, Rack started coming to board, you know, around with, with cause he was pursuing it for the longest. I just started. There was a right. lot of low lifes who was rapping for a very long time trying to get it in. You know what I mean? Right. So once, once that started, and we started really pushing a positive movement. Like I'll let niggas know, like when I'm going to do something, I'll still invite 20 to 30 niggas, but I'll let niggas know, yo, do not bring that shit to where we going. Don't do that dumb shit. Don't rob nobody. And we started enforcing that. You know what I mean? Not letting niggas come around, do nothing negative. You go across the street and get the fuck away from me and do that. So that started creating the movement because at the same time, we trying to get ahead in rap or music and we need people to record and make beats and, and, and write bios and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't get a lot of these dudes to do any of that. So everywhere I'm going, I'm meeting other dudes, you know, that were polo dudes. They weren't low lights, but they were living polo their whole life. And they always knew about us and low life, and they always wanted to be down. 
So in that same sense, where these people were being so resourceful and adding on so much just by coming around, I was like, how do I separate the two? Because mm -hmm. why I'm not going to let this dude come in and be part of us when he's offering everything that I can't get out of, you know, originals here. So right. we that's how the interaction started when we started letting in a lot of resourceful people who weren't street, who weren't, they just were hip hop. Cause that was the main connection that brought everybody else in. And, All and the hip hop me, aspect. I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Cause so many people I grew up with, I wanted them involved in what I was doing in the hip hop culture and the business side of things. And they just couldn't leave the streets alone. And, and they couldn't stay out of jail. And, I, you know, I struggled to try to, you know, some people I got to help and got them on a straight and narrow and got to help them get them jobs. But a lot of others, I just, you know, they, they just couldn't adjust. And, you know, I think some of it might even be a maturity thing or how they was raised, coming from broken homes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They didn't have certain opportunities. Just, that's all they knew. Because that was also my story for a very long time. I didn't want to transition. You know, I it took a very long time before my mind actually opened and I accepted the difference in things. And even that people were different. Because coming from the hood, like Brownsville and Crown Heights, you know, at the end of the day, it's like everything is you pussy or you not pussy. So if you pussy, then you get eaten all the time, you know? And that's how, that was the mentality. You didn't right. accept people for themselves. It's like you either was thorough with it or right. you wasn't. And if you're not, then we're going to eat you first. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I learned how much we lost because of that. How much we, we, we lost out and we didn't gain from seeing people's strengths instead of their weaknesses. And that's, where the transition came in. Cause once I started understanding the difference and I started acknowledging everybody for their strengths, then, you know, we opened the doors for everybody who could add on to make this a movement, you know, turn it into a culture. It, it didn't turn into a movement and culture till the late nineties. You know right. what I mean? Before all of that, it was just the gang shit and how we was doing it. But once the, once we went in hip hop, then, you know, the movement and the culture came in. You know, it right. didn't become a culture until there was all these other chapters started, until Ayak came into the game, until mm -hmm. until Mayhem Laurent and Queens. Yeah, so it's like then then it became culture because <clears throat> then it started spreading all over the world. Right. You know what I mean? And it only spread because people saw we were trying to make a difference. We weren't glorifying the, the negativity anymore. Right. We were standing for some, we, I, me personally, I was standing for hip hop. That's all my concerns was, we representing in hip hop. So when the culture came in, it came for all the people who were representing the, the elements, all elements in hip hop. And right. you know me, I'm an all element dude. I didn't do one thing. I right, do right. it all in hip hop, you know? The same way we did in low life, I did it all. I didn't go boosting every day with dudes. They, that's all they, some dudes, that's all they knew how to do was boost. I did everything, got, everything that had that. Like when in this modern day world, you gotta have different, all kinds of different talents and skills and get money you gotta be in different ways. Right. So if you're in this entertainment game, you gotta be multimedia. Right. 
If you I'm can't not DJing, no. I'm doing interviews, I'm doing audio engineering, I'm setting up shows as a promoter, I'm doing management, I, you know, I do online promo and marketing, all that. Good? Yeah, my bad. I had to answer my daughter real quick on the okay. text. Yeah, yeah, all good. <clears throat> but um, I know you said uh, in a conversation we had the other day that hip-hop is your religion. Yeah, it's always been my religion. I'm not a religious person that I follow right. any religion. I'm not either, right. I mean, my, my background is Jewish, but I have more ties. You know, I was, re you know, I have certain morals. My, my, my parents aren't religious either. So me growing up in Flatbush, growing up in Brooklyn, hip hop really is my culture. That's Look, not related to anything else. In my, maybe like the third grade, I lived with one of my uncles, my uncle Frenchie. And you know, they were straight mm. Pentecostal, go to church every day, he's a pastor. Right. It was to the screen where our, our apartment was above the church. So it's church every day. All you gotta do is go downstairs. <laughs> but I also seen being being a, you know, in that environment, I was forced to, to accept the being a Christian. I was forced to study. I was forced in every way to accept that. So right. by the time I got out of there, I because I always thought, you know, when I would be in the church, I would hear them say, if you accept Jesus Christ from your heart, please stand up now. Nah, nah. It ain't say, yo, here, force this down your throat. And then, you know. Right. I mean, that's I'm, how religion came to a lot of people yeah, uh, throughout history. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're Puerto Rican. It was brought to the Tainos uh -huh. by the musket, by the yep. cutlass. You know? So you get it. Hip hop, I chose it. Right. From heart. From I have mixed feelings. I, you know, I respect people's beliefs, but I do feel like religion in general, many of the religions, was forced upon people with violence and, and, and everything. And I do Even feel like certain people, their, their ancestors, are, are rolling in their graves. Like, really? Like, your conqueror forces upon you, and now you want to. Follow them and what they so, do. I tell everybody also, I don't I don't mock anyone for right. the religion they live. I believe if um you know if 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 that's your faith, then that's what gives you hope in life, yo, all all power to you because you're doing it with from the purity of your heart. Right. You know if you're doing good in this world, you're making the world around you a better place, you're mm -hmm. helping, you know, you stand up person with your friends, your family, your community. I, yep. I don't care what you believe in. As long as you're doing good, I care more about how you live in this world, you know? The other thing uh, that I couldn't follow religion is because every religion con condemns every other religion. Right. They say it's not the right way or they worshiping God like this. But, you know, I thought the theory was that there's only one God. So why should anybody be upset what anybody else calls them or the form they worship it? him in because it's all going to the same place if there's really only one god like you right. know all religions say but that's why i say to me hip-hop is my religion because i follow it so if if it if it gives right. me my morals it gives me my standards you know it, it taught me vocabulary there's a million things i could tell you hip-hop gave me and added into my life it gave me purpose man it made me thurston howell you know, it took me from a mentality, you know, that was out of control to, you know, 
some civilized shit. Right. So I credit it so much and I call it my religion because I follow it as a way of life by choice. Mm-hmm. By choice, first and foremost. I think hip hop saved a lot of lives. Um, yep. When it came out in New York, uh, I think if New York City did not have hip hop, the the 80s and 90s would have been much worse. Yeah. The 70s, you know? Yeah. It could have been as bad as, as, as LA or Chicago. Although I know New York was bad, you know, but you yeah, know, we were just, and everything. just as bad, man. Our crime rates and murder rates was all the same. Remember, we were leading the way in New York City with all of that. So, you know, it's just, it, it saves lives, man, on everywhere, you know, at mm-hmm. this point. So I credit it for so much and I, I have no choice but to live it, man. It Because it's in me. I don't know what else to do besides live it. You know, right. and follow and abide by his rules, you know. You see how much I dedicate my life to it? My work says right. it, you know. I, I see the respect you get, not only from the hip hop culture and the low culture, but you know your book, uh, "Bury Me with My Low On," was for sale uh, on the Ralph Lauren app. I saw you on the HBO documentary about Ralph Lauren. Can, can you talk a little bit about the book and what it was like? Just how you've gotten closer with Ralph. You know, you were in the Five Horsemen ad. Like, how did all that happen? That, that, that's just amazing to go from boosting to being in the taking a picture with Ralph and being a documentary. Well, I mean, as far as the book goes, mm-hmm. you know, Tom Gould from New Zealand, he right. approached me to do the book with me. You know, he he told me his idea and, you know, I was already working on books. So I was like, right. All right, let's do it. So um, first and foremost, the book is not the low life story for all the people out there saying it is or thinking it is or wondering why so-and-so ain't mentioned that. This book is about the polo culture and where it exists today. And all these other people that were influential in their different neighborhoods as far as spreading the culture. You know what I mean? So it's not the low-life story. There's brief stories in there about the low-life history. And there are more books coming to tell the low-life history. But that book was based on the culture and where it was at at that exact moment you know what i mean we spent six years putting that together myself and tom mm. and i mean it was a great experience man i think ralph Lauren's company on the first day they bought five books you know so it, it definitely triggered a lot within the company because they saw the market we created with the retro stuff they saw the snow beast going for five thousand Right. And things like that. So it, it, it showed them what exactly to do next. Because right. they, they, they saw everything the in that culture. book and right. they retroed it. And they never did retro ever in the history of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we did the low life clothing line where we brought back the stadium. And immediately after we did that, they brought back the stadium. And they, mm-hmm. they kind of shut us down by doing that. You know what I mean? Right. But it's understandable. But, um, as far as doing the the Ralph documentary and and all that happened, um, the actual director of of the very Ralph Susan Lacey actually hit me up and you know asked me if I would be interested in 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 doing an interview for it, 
She did a bunch of research on me and things like that and told me I, I fit perfect for the situation. And, you know, I, yo, I was more than honored, man, because this, I remember somebody hitting me up and saying, yo, you don't understand what you did being in, in the Ralph Lauren documentary? Don't you know the Prince of England wish he was in that documentary? The people <laughs> from here wish they was a part of that. Right. I totally knew what it was and, and you know, just being in there and have Ralph co-sign the low life movement and myself, you know, it's not like I was putting him in my documentary, getting right. an interview or something. You put you they in actually his. put in his, man. That, that, solidified, that solidified the crown mm. forever. Was that Straight your first time meeting Ralph uh, at the screening? Yeah, first time ever. First that, time that ever. So, you know, was monumental. I, I, I reposted it. On my social media too. I got to meet his whole family, man. That was the crazy part. And everybody knew who I was, you know, and everybody, even from the company, you know, everybody was so, they were so nice, man. They, you know, they, they definitely appreciated what I'd done even for the brand and what low lives done for his brand. Without low lives would low be popular in the hood throughout America. I mean, it's not the same way, not the same way, because the way, listen, more than that, man, low life showed all these other designers that came after how to make their shit because mm -hmm. they watched what low life did with Ralph man. Lauren. So when designers started making clothes, they would emulate the way the low lights would wear it from head to toe. So we helped them make every accessory and all of that to go with the with the shirt because before most people just starting with a shirt you know what i mean we showed them you need the hat you need the shoes you need the you need the socks you need the shorts you need the underwears under it the t-shirt the hoodie the jacket the coat. Mm -hmm. we showed them like you need it all so you know they all followed the low life blueprint of doing it but um even get invited to the five horsemen before i even did the five horsemen Mm. I did the snow beach shoot with uh right with right Polo company and um about and, that. and Vice magazine. The black and white joint, right? Nah, it was all of it. I modeled okay. all the snow beach, like the entire right. collection that was coming out. <clears throat> Excuse me. She was crazy, man. I mean, like I said, man, it definitely did a lot for my career. Right. Just, just Seeing them acknowledge, then the rest of the world began to acknowledge a little more and, you know, and give me some credit as far as, and even watching my work, my entertainment work a little more. It became a little more popular because I had some more popularity in that area. Right. I said, but I mean, with Hove, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've known Hove forever, man. I tried to battle Hove a thousand times. Working at MTV, I used to <laughs> access. Every time Hove came to MTV, I stepped to him. Yo, what's up? Let's battle. <laughs> like, yo, he used to be, he used to brush me off. You ain't got nothing for me. He never bat. He never would battle me. What, and then what, that what day, year was this? This is like after '96. Nah, 98? this was before. This was before all of that. This is '95, '96. So it was like around Reasonable Doubt, original yeah. flavor. Okay. Nah, nah, original flavor was '89, man. Better go check your history books. Mm. No, I'm talking about him with um, Ski Beats and all them. Oh, yeah, yeah. That came, nah, that came in the 90s. I was that thinking about with Jazz O. That was 80s. That's originators. 
Yeah. That's the originators and yep. uh, Hawaiian Sophie. Yeah. And you know, Jazz O's the homie too. I'm definitely gonna be interviewing him down the line. That's love. I got love for all of them, man. You know, they built a lot, but right. you know, that I had I battled Coolio, man, uh, at MTV. Coolio <laughs> and Coolio got busy. Yeah. He didn't even hesitate, yo. He's he stepped up and just started spitting, and we went at it, you know what I mean, for a while. Mm. After that day, yo, I had the most respect for Coolio ever because, you know, when I was locked up, I used to buy WC and the Mad Circle tapes and all that, and Coolio mm. was the nicest one in the whole group. Right. You know what I mean? Coolio on their album. People don't realize that. Yeah, he really rapped on, and you could tell on those albums, so... He was worthy to get step two for a battle. And he did exactly what a real MC does. Mm. He stepped up and he did not back down and he and he made it happen. Right. Who, who else did you battle that people would be familiar with? I battle mad. I battle everybody who used to come outside the tunnel. I mm. stepped everybody. You know? Um, everybody who came outside the tunnel, I stepped to them. No matter yeah, who great you great battle stories besides Coolio? Buster battles. I battled Buster outside mm -hmm. of the outside of the tunnel one night. You know, mm -hmm. I was at I, I was at the red light and Buster pulled up beside me. You know, we circling looking for parking. Right, right. When I seen him, I'm like, yo, Buster, you want to battle? And he said, What? <laughs> I said, pull over. I said, pull over. He said, no. And he started rhyming out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we was at the red light so long, it turned green, then red, then green. The traffic was backed up like crazy. People honking their horns. Next thing you know, we pulled uh, over. I think we went at it for like an hour and a half, man. Damn, and you I know wish that was filmed. I know that was crazy. I wish, man. I, yo, I had people hit me up that was there, be like, yo, I was there that night, yo. But yo, on some real shit. Like, you know, Buster's one of the greatest ever, and mm -hmm. he acknowledged my greatness at the same time that night because we exchanged numbers, and he was actually trying to help me get a record deal. He was taking he's, he's me to dude. I've been around him a few times. Yep. More than he a took, few. He took me to Electra, to Rick Posada, to rhyme for him. And, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I, I never forgot that, man, because this was when he didn't even drop Wuha yet. He gave me a copy of it that night. Mm. And when it gets a promotional single. Was, was we in the new school still together at that time? Or were they already broken up? Wuha was already pressed up, like I said, as like a the white label. Yep. Mm. And he gave now nah, it was a tape and all that. So he okay. gave me the tape, the mm. flyers, and then you know, we just stayed connected after that, trying to make right, something. Right. right. How did you get involved with Lyricist Lounge? I know you were on the, the album, you were on the show. Shout out to Danny Castro, by the way. Yeah, Aunt Marshall, Blue yeah. Davis. Um, I used to do a lot of stuff with Wendy Day. I was like her poster child for the rap coalition. Mm. You know, do it yourself, independent artists, all that. So right. Wendy had a she had a demo listening session in the ASCAP building. Mm. You know, and she, she you know she invited me and offered to play some of my stuff at the listening, you know? So I went and, you know, and the way the crowd reacted to my songs, you know, it was crazy. So Danny Castro was in the audience that day. And after after they played my stuff, 
you know, he was he 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 came up to me and he spoke to me and and he invited me to come down and check out the Lyricist Lounge, you know, mm -hmm. and or come perform or whatever. Was and, Sun and Low already involved at that, that um at that time? Probably. He was always on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I went down and the rest was history. I did a show. Next thing you know, they invited me to do a skit. Uh, a, a, you know, a bathroom cipher on the Lyricist Lounge album. Mm -hmm. Once I did that and I just did that short rhyme, then, you know, then Raucous Records was interested in me from that one little rhyme. Mm. Right, right. From that, you know, and and then, uh, you know, I kept working with Wendy a lot. Then she did the Rap Olympics. She she mm -hmm. hooked me Eminem up together with Juice from Chicago. Words were Quest of Mad she made us a team, you know what I mean? So everything just started happening from there. That's how me and Eminem recorded the the Watch These records at, at DJ Spinner's crib, you mm, know? So, Spinner. Yeah, yeah. Good dude. Everything just uh, kept evolving from there. I mean, the show came years later down the line. Right. I got to give it up to the Wendy Day. She's always tried to help educate artists on Everybody. Their, their, their rights and... and, and uh, how to how to do it yourself, like you said, be independent and, and still be a successful business person in, in, in the Yo, game. Yo, Wendy, so on point. I gotta say, she molded me to be the way I am. Mm -hmm. I remember I got my first record deal from LL Cool J, right? Right. And when you told me that, deal, I gave it to Wendy. I gave <laughs> Wendy the deal to mm -hmm. negotiate for me. She's going back and forth, you know, it's a demo deal and things like that. But right. it got to the point that Wendy said, listen, this deal ain't no good. If you want to take this deal, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to sign it off for you. I'm not going to be the one that negotiates or, or you know, or that's part of this because I, I don't do that. This is horrible. Mm. You know what I mean? So I trusted Wendy all the way. I didn't take the deal. And you know, yeah. I didn't even have, I barely had a demo at the time. And I was just hungry to be an artist. I think anybody would have took that deal at that time. But if Wendy didn't put it to me like that, like, yo, right. if you do this deal, I'm not I'm not gonna be the one to make it go through for you. And I I had the respect and I loved her forever for that, you know? Yeah, and I mean, she always kept she always kept assisting yeah. me no matter what I had happening, you know? You, you always gotta move smart in this business. I have seen certain people do a bad deal just to get their foot further in the door. And then from there, you know, after they've gotten that, that prestige, do their own thing. Um, yeah. Not chess move. You it, sometimes that's what you got to do. Right. Cause the, the hardest part is getting in, man. Right. The hardest part is getting in and getting that platform where you solidified with the popularity. Cause it's a popularity game. Once you get the popularity, you could be the trashiest rapper in the world and you can make it work. Yeah, people have. Um, I, I get mad at that. I feel like you're disrespecting the culture by not by not being good at what you do. Um, I'm I'm a little different on that. You know, I have my preference of what I like, but I always tell everybody, don't never let nobody tell you whether you're good or not, because there's an audience for everybody. So if you whack, it's up to the people. So if your friends are telling you, yo, you ain't good enough, but you got 50,000 other people saying, yo, your shit is hot, I get it. Right. Yo, just 
you, man. Do you. I, I don't mock nobody's stuff. You know, it's just my preference if I don't like it. But look at look at when you listen to the radio, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like 90% of the stuff on there, right? Or maybe 95, but everybody else does. So it's like that's that's I also feel like certain things are played so often, it's shoved down your throat. It's like you know, it's you hear it so much that you you start to like it. It, 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 yeah, and that's that's what you want your music to be. Was shoved down they throw and the, and they program to like it and listen. That's right. what you want your. I rather to they be. like it right away. I want to like something on my first listen, and, and it still be catchy. You you know, mm-hmm. there are records that have come out the last few years that have become radio hits that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. And, no, it is what it is. But yo, what's 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 next for you as an artist and uh, as a you know somebody in, in the business? You know, you say you have more books, more music, everything. Let them know. Everything. everything. Don't, I'm don't rather... too many moves ahead, but just a little bit. I'm gonna just say like this. I'm gonna let the work speak for itself. You know what I mean? But I, I'm gonna talk about one project. Um. Thought Skillustrated, that's the next album I'm going to release, produced by Mateo Getz, who produced the entire mm-hmm. thing. Shout out to Getz Low. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy motherfucking Masters Free. You know, this is a Getz production album, so we did it more like it's flooded with the features because mm-hmm. it, you know, the direction is to, you know, it's Thurston Howell still, but we we doing it for Getz, for him. Okay. To big himself up, have all the artists he wanted to work with, and things like that. He goes Thank hard you. for the movement too. I, I've been at shows with him in Boston. He got Thurston How box of CDs. He's moving them. Yo, that's my brother, man. He helped my career a lot. A lot of people don't know that. I met them dudes as teenagers, man. I'm mm-hmm. the first day I met Getz and all and, and Jackson and everybody. Mm-hmm. I just. I just got out the hospital, man. My append- my appendix had ruptured. Mm-hmm. I was in Massachusetts, okay. and yeah, I when I came, family out there. I, yeah, I was in my sister crib, man. And these dudes mm-hmm. is in the parking lot rhyming. I went out there and gave niggas the business appendix staples on my stomach and all that. So and then yo, they was like, yo, we going to the studio in Boston, man. Just take. I was like, come on. I went and got. I got on the train and went to the studio with them, mm-hmm. and you. know, I just I just kept being involved with them anytime I went in that area because they was living it to the extreme as far as loving and living the culture. There are very few people who are that dedicated like they are. I, I, I always tell guests this all the time. I never see nobody as dedicated as you in my life that don't give a fuck about nothing else except living and breathing. I just hip-hop. play one of their records. On, on the yeah. air. You know, I seen him go through. I remember when he was young, he had got uh he had came into some money, right? And mm. guess what's always the dude that, you know, every chance he gets, he's going to pay for studio time, do this and that. And yo, he lived in a big ass mansion in, in Massachusetts, man. Mm. With the pool and mm-hmm. yo, he had he had a room that he had fifty ferrets in his house. And they <laughs> had their own room with their own beds and the house smelled like strawberries, yo. That's crazy. You know I mean? 
So I told guests they had a basement, like a bar, pool room, all that. Yeah. I said, yo, when he came into that money, I said, yo, stop wasting your money on studio. Buy your studio right. and put it in your house. That's and yo, I, I got a room he, in the studio. Yo, he listened to me, man. And, mm -hmm. and then when he did it, he bought a full professional studio. And when he did that, he told me, yo, you could do all your work here now, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. So even after I released my albums that I did on a four track and all that, I didn't even know I had to do a mix down or none of that. Right. When Guess got that studio, I was able to go back in the studio. You know, the booth is waiting for you too, right here. Huh? The booth is right here, ready for you too. In New I York, don't know. You, need it. You, know you know, I'm gonna count the roaches and all that when I- I don't got over. no roaches. I, I'm, I'm married now, I got I, a wife. I, you bet. I'm, and, I, and I got two cats. So if one roach walked by, they both yeah, they jump on it, they eat it. <laughs> but, you know, I was in, I was in your life, man. I was like, nah, hey, listen, listen, it. listen. <laughs> I, I was out the bachelor pad. I'm married now. Right. Shout out to my wife Oni. You know, it's different. All right, that's what like it is. No I, I, I'm gonna be. I got two cats. Cats don't let bugs run around. They don't. Yeah, I know. I, I, that before and he ate every roast that walked in his mist, man. Right. <laughs> but you know, like we were saying about Getz, man, you know, he, he did a lot, man. That's why, right. you know, I'm glad That's we good. got to this point. We finally did a whole album together and you know, we're going to see, but yo, the first, the first track is me and Smooth the Hustler. That's all Ooh. I can say, man. Shout to SMG. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you know, that's Low Life Family as well. Of course. So, it's me, Smooth, and Christ on the on the first track. Got Master Ace on there. Nice. We got Rock is on there. Help the Skelter Rock. Shout to him. Um, he got his got own show on Vinyl Radio. Yeah, got the Booze Brother. Rock is another dude, man. I used to go to his crib early in the morning to rhyme. You mm. know what I mean? And when you know they was blowing up, and I still I just want to be heard, man. Rock, right, right. Rock would open his doors, man, and and be like, right. yeah, come on, let's let's get it on. And we'll rhyme for hours, man, smoking mm -hmm. and rhyming all day. But I always appreciated that from from like him, from Sean right. Price. Well, you know, they always still extended their hand, man, to, to you know to show me love and that you right. know I was. Man. Right, it was big when he became low life and and you became an honorary DCEP as well, and y'all both. You know? It was always like that, right? You know. I don't think we, you know, we just said it at one point. Remember when, when, when Sean Price and Has was a rap group together, Has was hanging with all the Decepts. The, the Bristol right. Park and the Garby was Decep dominated. So, mm -hmm. so was the Garby. Garby was half Decep and half low life. Right. It ain't like there was a, a situation. It was that's just what it was, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. He 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 made me trigger con by default, you know mm. what I mean? Because he was repping the low with me hard body, and he was like, "Yo, you gotta rep this too with me." No doubt, let's do it. I gotta shout Ronan out because you know when you do business with him, he's always trying to cut your your budget short. Then that's when you know his curls are showing. Hey 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 hey! I only take ten percent with you. Nah, I okay. listen. And you deserve it all because Thank not you, many bro. dudes bring anything back to the table. I mm -hmm. think I help a lot of dudes 
you know, get features, get this and all that. I never ask for a cut from nobody, right? But anytime <laughs> anybody does, it's well-deserved. You bringing it to the table. I'm going to argue that. Right. You know, I joke with you about it all the time, but it's only it's just a joke. It's We got to laugh. Hey, anything you bring to me, take your cut. I'm, I want you to. Nah, that's love. That, that's, that's how it got to work, that we be both getting money together. It's all nah. Like I said, the work, man, just keep working how you've been doing. That's that's you know, there are very few people who are gonna last this test of time, and it's it's all based on your work. That's right. So you and we work one of them who's working, and I seen I seen you come up, man. I seen you earn and build your popularity and stick to what you do. The same way I say right. about Mateo gets right, right. And I'll be having these conversations, people refuse to let this go it's not it never was about i, I had haters people trying to blackball me out the game but i just kept going you know i don't stop me consistency right. is the key thank you brother two l's up salute love and yo make sure you okay. play like nine songs of mine on on this episode man. i'm play playing a lot i'm yeah, playing a lot. i got you brother Play that Black Rob joint, man. Play the Dana Dane joint with me. I got you. Know? I got you. You know, because those are my classic, throwback, newer yeah. stuff. I got you. Don't worry about it. Nah, love is love. Right. And keep doing your thing. Two L's, hey, boy. Two L's. Likewise. Luke. All right, peace, family. Peace.